Praise the Lord, my brothers and sisters in Christ. This is the Bishop Avalie Petway Jr., and we thank God for you today. We thank God for you tuning in to the broadcast 911 Pulpit. Glory to God. And we're dealing with a lot of things here. If you would like to send in questions or anything that you would like to know according to the scripture that I can help you with, send that in. You can send that in to 911pulpit at mail.com. That's 991pulpit at mail.com. You can send that in and we'll try to get that question answered for you. But we thank you for tuning in today. We're not going to be with you long, but we would like to talk about today the only expert of life. The only expert of life. And today we have many people calling themselves experts and experts in the sociological field or experts in the medical field, experts in the educational field. And we believe that when an individual or a person call themselves expert, it is basically based on the institutional determination of them going to the highest caliber of teaching that that educational field has, and they call themselves experts. But we ourselves know that there are really no experts in life. What I mean life, I mean the common things that everybody deal with. You know, outside of your education, outside of your career success and all of those other things, everyone deals with life itself. There are no experts in life, only one, and that's Jesus Christ. He is the only one, as the scripture said, he did no sin, neither was any guile found in his mouth. And so we have to understand that we have to look to him if we are going to patternize our lives and to live effectively, not just here, but in the life to come. See, many people think that this life is the only life that exists, but this is a temporal veil. This is a temporal means of living where we're in these clay pots that our creator has given us that we can experience life and experience a relationship with him. Many people are looking for success. And a lot of times we use these terms that we want to be applied to our lives, like I want to be successful. I want to be happy. I want to be happily married. I want to have peace. I want to have joy. These terms that we use that we want in our lives so much takes a lot of work because we are engaged with people who don't have these traits and we ourselves don't even sometimes have them in their fullness. But the Bible says that there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is destruction. And so when we're looking toward experts, it's nothing wrong with having people as our example. The Bible talks about that we that they are examples, that we can look at their lives and pattern our lives by some of the things that they have experienced with God. And we can use that as a means to help us when we're going through transitional situations. But for them to be the model, they can be an example, but they can never be the model. Because every person's life is based on mistakes. Every human life is based on mistakes, errors, bad decisions, fault, flaws, all of these things. Until we come to a place where we have learned to stay away from certain things. So our life is based on 
eventual experiences that we have, good and bad, that we ourselves may have made decisions that caused us to walk in those areas or we was just catapulted into those areas because we was with someone that made bad decisions. But when we begin to look at an expert of life, we can only look at Jesus Christ as that perfect pattern. We can only look at him as being the one that we must look up to. Now, one of the things and the problems with him being our model is that we will never be able to reach him physically in the plateau that he lived on our own. We need his, his assistance in order to become that person that he has designed for us to become. We cannot do it on our own. We cannot do it through our mere education, our mere degrees. We cannot do it through mere preaching mere just going to church. See, many people, the Bible tells us to go on unto perfection. When is that perfection going to be finished? When we are out of these mortal clay pots. See, as long as we are in these bodies, we're going to be fighting. We're going to be in wars, the flesh against the spirit. So many people are looking to become that perfect person. It really does not exist. It only exists in the spirit. And this is what we need to understand. The Bible talks about that Daniel had an excellent spirit. That means that he had a spirit that he was able to manage. Having an excellent spirit is simply having a spirit that you're able to manage through vast situations. But my brothers and sisters, you can do it. We can do it. But we have to begin to look beyond the veil of this time, the veil of this life, and stop looking to the things to satisfy or to create in us all of this happiness that we desire. And see, all of these terms like, I want to be successful, I want to be happy, I want to have a happy marriage, I, I, I want my children to be successful, I want them to have something in, in life nothing's wrong with that. I believe God wants us to do that very thing for our families, but those terms carry high responsibility. We cannot expect those traits to be in our lives without sacrifice. Having a life without sacrifice is just like saying, uh, I want to live, but I don't want to breathe. And so we have to understand that we as people must look to the expert of life. He is our creator. He knows exactly what we need. Now, some of the things that the Lord God tells us to do in his word look like they are against us, look like they are coming against us having fun. But the scripture plainly says that men would be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of flesh. I believe that COVID-19 was allowed by the Lord to, 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 to show and to shine and to bring to the surface things that was broken things in our health system that was broken, things in our financial system that was broken, things in our uh, political system, things in our uh, 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 all the offices of our cities that was broken. And so therefore we have to understand and we be, must begin to see things in a different light. Why does God allow things to happen? Why does he allow tragedy to happen? Notice that whenever there's tragedy, it seems like it brings people together. 
I believe it hurts the Lord, that it burdens his heart, that it makes him cry when he sees people fighting and bickering against one another, black against black, white against black, black against white, and all of this racism and all of this hatred and all of these things that go on in society. And so we have to look to him. But when we move away from the things of God, when we move away from the plans that God has set, when we move away from the statutes and his laws that he has set for humanity, then we are always going to get into trouble. As the children of Israel, they always got in trouble because they were swaying, they was moving away from the counsel of God. And when God began to bless them, have you ever noticed that it looks like when people get blessed, they begin to get complacent? They begin to get in a place where they feel like they don't need to pray anymore. I myself am, am guilty of that. I've I've been in that place before. Well, well, I got it. I'm I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. But but we need to understand that our responsibility to the Lord is very unique. We have been called to help people. Success simply means that you are have, have become to a place where you are able to implement and to help someone else get to a place that they are not able to get to, not just your family, not just my children. And so the hatred that's, that's, that's in society is because the heart is bad. The Bible says the heart is deceitful and it is desperately wicked. We want to change, we want to try and change, a lot, lot, lot of times we want to try and change our society only through political means, by passing laws, through passing bills, through, through, through doing this and say they can't do that. But passing laws does not mean that people are not going to break the law. The law, the Bible says, is for the lawless, it's not for the righteous. And so therefore, when the heart of man is dark, when the heart of the individual has not been changed, when the heart of the individual through the mental process, as Romans says in Romans 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind daily. When my mind is not transformed, then my heart cannot be transformed because I'm not thinking properly. And it's very pivotal that we begin to teach our children. That's why the scripture says, train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they get old, they will not depart. That simply means, it does not mean that they won't stray when they get up and begin to make their own choices and their own will. But it's saying that when you have trained them, they know what's right. So training is a process. And so we have to teach our children. We have to train them. And there is a part of the relationship between the parent and the child where, where they are going to dislike you because of your discipline. See, many parents want their children to like them they, because a lot of times they feel guilty. I found out never allow or, or never begin to feel guilty about a lot of times the decisions that you have made to raise your children. Because sometimes your children don't know all of what occurred or what happened during the time that you were not able to do that what they felt you was able to do. Sometimes when you when the family is going through difficult times or going through difficult transitions, to keep the family alive is more important than than, than trying to be trying to feel the need of every emotional stress that everyone is feeling. What do you mean, Bishop, when you're talking when, when you say that? 
I mean this, that when a family is under attack, well, let me give you a good example. Have you ever looked at a, a, a movie on the TV where a tragedy happened and then the family was at a point of being separated and it was, it, it, the importance then was not that the children would sit down and eat breakfast. The importance of that event at that time, because tragedy was occurring, was not to try and comfort the child with compassion, but to create an urgency that the family was in danger. And it wasn't time now for convenient living. It was time to get up and begin to move that the family may live and survive. And so sometimes in life, when the family is under attack, is more important for the family to survive than try to mend the emotions at that time. That has to come at a different time because of the severity of the situation that's happening. And so you have to understand that some choices and decisions that you made in your life, you made with the best information and the knowledge that you had. There are some things I look back on, and I, I used to say, well, the, if I could choose that better, I would do better. I would, but I chose that based on the information, the financial ability that was available to me at that time in the situation. And blessed be the God, I survived. The family survived. And so sometimes the survival of the family, the key thing I'm finding out, and I'm going to let you go after this, is that the key thing is that you don't have to know everything that's going on in the mind of your family. Sometimes people get offended when other people find out things that's going on with their children that they don't know. And sometimes people, husband and wives get offended when sometimes other people know things that the wife told them that they didn't tell the husband. And sometimes that may be a good reason, but all of the time it's not bad. Why? Because the key thing that I'm finding out that if you keep God's hand, the key thing is to keep God's hand on the family and the things that you don't know or the things that are not shared to you, God will take care of. And to give you a good example, what happened to Adam? Adam's key responsibility, the man's key responsibility when he's married to his family, he married to his wife and taking care of his family is to keep God's hand on the family. He may not know everything that his daughter is going through. He may not know everything that his wife is going through, the mental private things that they don't share. But if the man stay in line with God and keep God's hand on the family, God will mend and God will handle what he himself cannot reach or that single parent, what you cannot reach and the difficulty of you raising your children without a husband. God will keep his hand on it. And what caused Adam's family to fall and the human race to fall, Adam didn't keep God's hand on his family. He yielded to his wife's decision. Now, does that mean that what your wife asks you to do is uh, uh, asks you to do something you shouldn't do it because you're the head? No. He yielded to what was wrong. It wasn't that God didn't want him to listen to his wife, but he yielded to that which he willfully know was wrong against God, what God have told him. This is what God means. You don't let anyone put you in a position where you will yield to that which is wrong that you know is wrong. And so my brothers and sisters, there's only one expert in life, and that's Jesus Christ. 
If you don't know him today, I hope you get to know him. This is the Bishop Abilly Petway Jr. here with 911 Pulpit. Look, if you have any questions, any answers, you send, you email me, 911pulpit at mail.com. That's 911pulpit at mail.com. This is the Bishop Abilly Petway Jr. I'll see you on the next episode. May God bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>